Well, good morning. It's Christmas. Did everybody have their Christmas shopping done? All right. Any holdouts? Anybody that's going this afternoon? Okay. Let's pause briefly for a word of prayer. Uh, well, we're glad that each of you are here. We've come to celebrate the forgiveness that Christ offers us through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, I just want to invite you to something tomorrow night, uh, Christmas Eve. Um, we're going to be talking about the Grinch that stole Christmas. So we've got services at 4, 5.30, and 7. They'll run uh, an hour or maybe a little less than that. So you kind of plan if you're planning family things. Encourage you to come. The kids, uh, we've got a, a one that's specifically geared to kids at, at the one at 4. But all of them will have elements that the kids will enjoy as well. So encourage you to come out as a family. Bring your other family that might be with you uh, visiting over the holidays. Bring them with you. We'll have a, a great time as we, worship, as we worship. Again, the reason for this time of year, the person of Jesus Christ. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Luke, the second chapter. We're going to look at that classic Christmas text. Uh, Luke 2, we're starting in verse 8. The last few weeks we've been talking about, and we wrap up a series, uh, talking about total forgiveness. Total forgiveness is a great subject, I think, for us to be talking about uh, here at Christmas time. We think about the forgiveness. We've been talking about the forgiveness that God has given us, but we've been talking about really the forgiveness that we, in turn, should give to other people. Some roadblocks that keep us from forgiving uh, other people at times, bitterness and some other things like that. Last week we talked about uh, what it means to forgive ourselves, and that God wants us to for forgive ourselves. And this morning, we're going to talk about total forgiveness, and as it relates to you, and as it relates to me, and, uh, and we're going to really try to make it personal. So, what is total forgiveness? I think if we were to put it on a spectrum, total forgiveness would be on one end, and then the forgiveness that our world would offer would be on the other end. It would be a kind of a conditional forgiveness. It's the forgiveness that we sometimes have a tendency to give out instead of total forgiveness. That conditional forgiveness that our world uh, gives out is forgiveness that also with it carries a bit of a grudge. I'll forgive you, but I'm still going to have a grudge. It's forgiveness that says, maybe not verbally, but in the way that we act and interact, I'll forgive you, but you'll pay for what you did to me. And I'm going to make you pay through what I do and how I treat you for what you did to me. Well, I'll forgive you, but every time I have the opportunity, I'm going to remind you of what I forgave you of. And any time it comes up with other people, I'm going to remind them of what I forgave you of. Total forgiveness is the other end of that spectrum. Total forgiveness is what we see in Scripture when we forgive absolutely, totally, with no buts associated with it. And it's what Jesus Christ gave to us. Total forgiveness with no buts attached. It's what is offered to us because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. It's what offered, is offered to us through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Total forgiveness. So what does it look like? What is it? What is it? Let's look at this passage in Luke 2. And read this Christmas, let's read this Christmas story together. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. But the angel said to, to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and they had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, heard, and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's imagine that scene. This group of shepherds in this field, in the field surrounding this city where they were living. Probably, quite possibly, the shepherds who were even tending sheep that would later be used in temple sacrifices. And so here is this group of shepherds. Imagine the scene. Huddled around the fire, it's nighttime. The smell of the of the fire, the smell of dinner that's been cooked, still lingering in the air, mixed with that classic smell of dirty sheep. <laughs> Has anybody ever smelled a dirty sheep? I'm sure that was right there in the mix is what they were experiencing. And then in that, in that setting, you look up and you see this night sky, this brilliant lit up sky, different than what we experience when we live next to towns and cities in our culture, that night sky like you see when you're out in the middle of nowhere. That's what they would have experienced as they looked up and saw the twinkle of the, of the sky. And as they, as they sat there around the fire, maybe sharing some stories or recounting the events of the, day, of the day, suddenly there's this explosion in this being. They don't really know what it is. appears in their natural reaction the reaction that all of us would have if we were out in the dark somewhere and some weird being appeared <laughs> was the reaction that they experienced, which was fear. And we see them sitting there afraid. Now the word that this angel evoked in them, this emotion, this fear that, that they experienced, wasn't, when you look at the, the, the word that's used in the Greek, it was not the fear, for instance, this week I had the occasion actually a couple times to go to Burt's in Stevensville. I mean, everybody been to Burt's? Great place for breakfast. So earlier in the week, I went there yesterday as well, but earlier in the week I was, I was there with, uh, uh, I'm doing ministry, okay? I'll be laughing. I'm reaching people for Jesus. Um, so I'm sitting there at the, at the breakfast uh, with this person new to the church. And so we're getting to know each other and talking. And then all of a sudden I realize, I have my billfold with me, but I don't have any cash. And if you've been to Burt's, you know that for whatever reason, Burt's doesn't accept credit cards. And so here I am, and there's that fear that just kind of just wells up. It's kind of a fear, kind of an embarrassing kind of thing to have to say, um, excuse me, can I call my wife? I need her to bring me some money, you know, that kind of that fear. Kind of a mild fear. I would compare that to the fear last Sunday afternoon that I had as I went out to Grandmere Park with my two boys, 9 and 12, and we decided we'd go sledding. And so we're out at that, uh, at, 
is it Grand Mare? Is that the one out by the lake? Okay, so we climb up to the top of this mountain, it felt like, when you're up at the top of it. And as I'm racing down this, this steep incline with this layer of snow and then this thin sheet of plastic between me and the ground, and I'm hurtling toward this, this bump that I see coming, and I wasn't real great at physics, but I know that I'm going too fast, and that bump's too big, and this body's too old. Something's got to give. <laughs> that fear is the fear that the, uh, that fear of my life flashing in front of my eyes. That's the fear that the angels have, that the angel evoked in those shepherds. That fear like, I'm afraid for my life kind of fear. And so with that, we see that the angel communicates to them, don't be afraid. It's a great message for them. Don't be afraid. And then he, he, he tells them this message that God had sent him to communicate. This message to these shepherds. Now it seems odd we think about it, why were shepherds the ones that got the communication from God, the message that a Savior has come? Why wasn't, the top, why wasn't it the top religious leaders? Why wasn't it the kings like King Herod and these other kings of the, of the day? Why wasn't the important political leaders and the rich people and all those kind of people? Why weren't they told? Instead, they were, they were not told in this group of shepherds, these guys out in the middle of nowhere that were not probably very religious people. They weren't probably very religious, but they couldn't have been. They were shepherds. They couldn't keep the ceremonial laws like other people could. They would have been ostracized from the temple worship because they were looked at as the dirty shepherds. They were ostracized both by, by the religious people of their day. They were ostracized by, by just the normal people of the day. The Jewish Talmud, which is a collection of interpretations and insights from Jewish rabbis from the day, said this about shepherds. It says, no help is to be given to heathen and shepherds. So shepherds were lumped in with the quote-unquote heathen people. They were the outcast. I think it's very meaningful that God sent the messenger that a Savior has come to the people that realized they needed a Savior. The shepherds knew who they were. They knew what they felt around people. They knew how they felt as they were around religious people. They felt on the outside. And God sent His messenger that there is a Savior to these individuals that knew they needed to hear that message. They were ready to receive that message that, there's, that there is a Savior for us. Listen to how the angel describes this news. This news of total forgiveness. Now he doesn't say it that way. The angel doesn't say, I bring you good news of total forgiveness. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. Ultimately... What that good news of great joy is, is what it, we could define it as, is the gift of total forgiveness. That's what we want to talk about this morning. So what is this total forgiveness for us? The angel says that it's good news of great joy. There was an old farmer that went in to talk to his banker. And he sits down across the table, across the desk from his banker, and he says, well... 
I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. What do you want to hear first? And the banker says to him, well, why don't you share the bad news with me first? So he begins to relate what's going on at the farm, and it's not been a good year, it's not been a good series of years, and he says, I've, I've just got finally to the point, I just need to come and share with you that, that I really am not going to, from this point on, be able to make my mortgage payment on the farm. From this point on, I just wanted you to know that uh, that crop loan that I've taken out for the last 10 years or so, I'm, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to pay that back. And then the final bit of bad news is, unfortunately, that hundreds of thousands of dollars that you loaned me to buy all that equipment and tractors and things for the farm, there's just absolutely no way that I can ever pay you back. He says he's sorry and he's kind of apologetic and the banker is silent and in his office he thinks for a moment and he says, well, okay, well, what's the good news? And the old farmer says, well, the good news is I've decided to keep you as my banker. <laughs> now, sometimes in our culture... What someone thinks is good news is not necessarily good news. Good news for one person is not good news to another. The, uh, for you Dallas Cowboy fans, you got the good news that Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys won last night in the football game. That's not good news to me. I want Dallas to lose so my Green Bay Packers will get a first-round bye in the playoffs, okay? So good news for one person may not be good news for another, but the message that the angels gave to these shepherds is good news of great joy for all the people, all of us. It's good news for you and me 2,000 years later. It's good news for everyone that draws a breath in this world. It's good news. So what is good news? It's this good news that makes it possible for us to experience total forgiveness. What, what it makes it possible for us to be totally forgiven from the sin that has us in bondage, from all the failures, it restores our relationship with, with God. It's total forgiveness. It's good news because it gives us a second chance. It's good news because it's grace. We don't have to earn it. It's total forgiveness. It's, it's not God forgiving us and then holding a grudge against us. It's God forgiving us and then setting us free. It's good news because it wipes away our sin. No grudges, no holding it up against us, no bringing it back up. It's total forgiveness. And it's total forgiveness because it can change our lives totally. It's total forgiveness because it does not require me to work off my debt to God. My debt is paid because it's total forgiveness. It's paid by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. It's good, good news. Literally, the word gospel, when, so I'm a gospel preacher. I preach the gospel. At times we hear gospel music. You've heard that word thrown around. Gospel literally translated, gospel means good news. The angel says to the shepherds, I want to tell you that the gospel has come. It is the gospel. It is good news of great joy. That word great in the Greek is the place where we get the word mega. So the angel says, I have some mega joyful news for you. I have some big, huge, awesome, loud, if we define mega, news for you. 
It's the kind of, it's the kind of joy, when it says of great joy, of mega joy, it's the kind of joy that our kids experience when they're little on Christmas morning. When they're opening gifts and all that, you see that excitement in them. It's good news of great joy. That's what total forgiveness should be for us this Christmas. What does, I mean, the next question we need to consider, what is it? Well, the question that next we should ask ourselves is, okay, if um, I understand that total forgiveness is for me and it, it's awesome and it's good news of great joy and um, can be forgiven, all those things. Well, who then needs it? We see that the, that first Christmas, the shepherds were given that message. Ordinary people on the outside of society needed to hear that message. They weren't on any list of important people. They would, if you were and I were to create a list of people that needed to hear about this Messiah that's come, this Savior that's come, this one that's come to, to set his people free, it's the politicians, it's the political leaders, it's the kings, it's all the pretty people. The shepherds weren't on that list. But the shepherds were on God's list. And in verse 10 it says, when we ask ourselves the question, who needs to hear this message of total forgiveness? In verse 10 it says, that will, <clears throat> that will be for all the people. So who needs it? All of us need it. Every single one of us need it. We all need total forgiveness. That reality of the need for total forgiveness is, is borne out throughout Scripture. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and need a Savior, in other words. And that's bad news. Bad news that we've sinned. Bad news that we need a Savior. Bad news that I can't fix this problem that I have in and of myself. But the good news, the other side of the coin is, yeah, bad news we've all sinned. Yeah, bad news we've all incurred this penalty. Good news is, God sent a Savior. God sent His Son. God sent His Son to set us free. Sometimes it's people that are on the outside of society, people that are the quote-unquote outcast, people that are outside that realize that they do need forgiveness. The, maybe it's the individuals on death row that realize a little better than we do sometimes that they need to be forgiven. It's maybe the drug addict that, over the, oh, he can't overcome his addiction, realizes that he has a problem needs to be forgiven, needs to be set free of this bondage. And sometimes it's us that, like us, that come to church on a Christmas Sunday morning. Maybe you come every week, or maybe you, it's been a while since you've been in a place like this. But sometimes it's us that struggle the most with understanding that we need a Savior. Us good people us people that pay our taxes on time, us people that give to the United Way, us people that, that, that love our kids and, and uh, our, our great neighbors and all those things. Sometimes it's us good people that really struggle with the reality that the core of who we are as an individual is a sinner in need of a Savior. As you sit here today, is all of this just a great place to come and celebrate because it's that time of year? Or do you sit here today and you realize that I need 
I need Christ. I need a Savior in my life. There's, if you go to the drugstore this time of year especially, you'll notice that there's thousands and thousands of bottles and different kinds of cold medicine. Some of you have experienced cold. Somebody's coughing right now. Um, some of you have experienced that already this, this winter, uh, already experienced a cold, already experienced some flu symptoms. And you go and, you, and there's things, there's cough suppressants, there's, there's nasal decongestants, there's you know, all these different things that take care of the headaches or the, the insomnia and those issues. All of those things, however, none of them are a cure to the problem. None of them are a cure to the disease of the common cold, all of them mask the symptoms of the cold. None of them can cure us of that cold. And so we sit here in a place like this, and there are things in our world that help to mask the symptoms that we have this disease of sin that's going to end up in our death, our spiritual death. There's things, there's busyness in life that masks the symptoms. There's, there's being a good person that masks the symptoms. There's, there's, there's the hustle and bustle of a Christmas time of year that masks the symptoms. When we're all alone and it's quiet and the hustle and the bustle and the busyness have quieted down and, we, and we're, when we begin to really think about our lives and we really begin to see that there is an emptiness when we don't have Christ in our lives, and, and when we're outside of His grace, we realize that there's something missing. And then we go back into our world, this temporary world, with all these temporary fixes, and we mask the symptoms again, but it does nothing to cure the real illness that is inside of all of us, which is sin. So who needs a Savior? Sure, the guy on death row needs a Savior. Also, the individual that volunteers at the school as a mentor and gives the United Way and comes to church regularly and sits in a pew and teaches a class or shovels the neighbor's drive and looks good. And everybody in the world, if they were to ask, oh yeah, that guy's a good Christian man or she's a good Christian person. But just because we're in this place today, just because we go through some of the motions, just because we mask the symptoms, unless we have asked Jesus Christ personally to forgive us of our sins. And we accepted His grace and mercy. We're not cured. When I was 15 years old, been in church my entire life. I don't think I'd missed a single Sunday at church. I was a good kid. I sat in the back and I didn't talk. I, I did my homework. I, I most of the time didn't fight with my sister. I was a good kid. And at 15, this good kid finally realized that being good enough was, would never get me into heaven. And that I personally needed a Savior. Who needs it? We all need it. None of us are righteous. We all need it. Next question about total forgiveness is, okay, then when can we receive it? Look at verse 11. In verse 11, the angel says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. So here the angel is sharing with these shepherds, When? When? Now is when. Today is when. You can go right now, right now in Bethlehem, 
a Savior is being born. And so that day they had a chance to travel to Bethlehem to see it for themselves. The time that they lived, the age that they lived, the shepherds Jesus was born into, was an age called the Pax Romana, which translated means the Peace of Rome. Started about 37 BC and extended on beyond uh, then the life of Christ. And it's this period in history, because Rome was the power, superpower of the day, there was a peace that had spread throughout the world. Pax Romana, the age of peace. That age of peace, even though it, politically there was peace, inside of people's lives, just like today, there was turmoil and there was sin and there were issues that they needed a Savior. The Savior was born in that world in the midst of quote-unquote peace. But Christ came as the Prince of Peace, born into that age of peace. And we've had different ages since then. We've had the Middle Ages. We've had the Dark Ages. We've had, we've had the, uh, the age of Aquarius. We've had the age of Disco. We've had the, the, age, the Information Age. All of these different ages, they come and they go. And the day, the age, that Christ came bringing on that first Christmas morning was the age of grace. And the age of grace extends to this day. Two thousand and some odd years later, the age of grace is still in effect. But just like the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, the Disco Age, thankfully, all come to an end, also the age of grace will come to an end. There will be a day. The Scripture describes this way. This day, this age of of grace when it is over, this is what, how it's described. Then the, in Revelation 6, And then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man. That's about everybody. That's, that's all the important people, and that's the not-so-important people. It's, he's, he classifies all these different groups of people. Mankind, he says. This is what the picture will look like. He paints a picture of what will happen when the day, the age of grace comes to an end. This is what will happen. Those individuals will call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can stand? There is coming a day when the, de when the age of grace gives way to the age of judgment. Friend, you need to be excited that today we live in the age of grace. Where when we realize our sin and we come to Christ and we confess those things that we can be forgiven and grace will be applied, but there will come a day when it will be too late. There will come a day when Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That day will come and there will be a number of people, as Scripture bears out, that will say on that day, hide me from the face, not of the lamb that was, was given as a sacrifice for my sins, Hide me from the Lamb, the wrath of God. The gospel message is incomplete. And I would not be sharing the full gospel message if we didn't share the fact that there will come a day when the age of grace will come to an end. But again, thankfully, that is not this day. Today is the day. When can we receive it? Today is the day. 
As we look on in this passage, ask ourselves then finally the question, who makes this total forgiveness possible? Let's go back to the text in verse 11. And read the rest of that. Verse 11, the angel says, Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Who makes it possible? Who makes it possible for us to experience total forgiveness? Who makes it possible for us to be set free? Who makes it possible for us to experience good news of great joy? The Savior Christ the Lord. In the Old Testament there are literally hundreds of prophecies that foretell of this day, of, that foretell of uh, the, the, the facts surrounding the Messiah when he would come, the Savior when he would come, where he would be born, of what family he would be born to, the exact location uh, that he would be a Jewish individual. All of these things, all these facts. And Jesus Christ is the culmination, he says, in the, in the, in the town of David, which was Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 tells us exactly where he would be born. All of those things coming together. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. He is the only one, the only one who could make possible our total forgiveness. The angels describe him as our Savior. He came born of a virgin, born in a manger, born in this town of, little town of Bethlehem. Again, to fulfill the prophecies that were written about those events. And he needed to live with us. He needed to be like one of us. He needed to be tempted like us. In every way, he needed to live a sinless life. He needed to die for our sins so that we could experience total forgiveness. There's a story of a missionary who went to one of the small islands of Hawaii. I can just see myself suffering for Jesus there as well. Um, but this is in the 1800s, and so it was a little different story on the island, one of the small islands of Hawaii. Actually, they had made this little village on this small island of Hawaii a leper colony where they put all of the lepers there to die. And they were ostracized, and so this missionary went there by the name of Father Damien. And he went to this little colony, and he lived there for 16 years. And Father Damien loved those people, and he embraced them, and he touched them, and he, 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 he shared hope with them, hope that they could find in Christ. And he loved on them. He built homes for them. He built coffins for them. 2,000 coffins Father Damien built with his own hands so they could be buried with dignity. And he wasn't careful about what he did, and he hugged them, and he embraced them, and he would dip his hand in the same, uh, uh, same uh, bowl of poi that they dipped their hands in, and he would bandage their arms and, their, and their, their, their appendages that were suffering from leprosy, and he wouldn't wash his hands afterwards. And one Sunday, he stood up to share the message of hope with his people. And for the first time, Father Damien began his message this way, We lepers... Father Damien had contracted that disease, and Father Damien died on that island from that disease. Father Damien was not just helping them. He became one of them. He took on their skin. He took on their sin, their issues, so he could be one of them. Jesus Christ took on the skin of humanity. And even though he did not personally commit any sin, he took upon himself 
our sin, became sin for us, died for us. That's what Christ did, like Father Damien did for them, Christ did for us. And so this morning, let me just conclude by asking you this question. Have you experienced total forgiveness? I love what Corey Timboom said when she said, if Christ would die, or Christ would be born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in me, I would still be lost. Has he been born in you? Scripture tells us that the, the shepherds went immediately. They left everything they had, and they went immediately to that place where he was born so they could experience it on their own. And I, what I want to encourage you to do today is to open this gift of total forgiveness, to leave where you are and run to the Savior today and experience Christ. My boys, a couple years ago, been two Christmases ago now, got this from their grandparents. It's the Smithsonian World of Adventure Discover, Discovery and Wonder Giant Lava Lab Volcano. Now, does that not sound like a good time? You can make a volcano happen in your own home. Three eruption zones. This is awesome. And the boys were all excited about it. You know where I found this? If you can, can't see, it still has a wrapper on it. Um, this was downstairs in our closet. And I thought, how appropriate. That God today gives the gift of total forgiveness to everybody here. We all got the package. Some of us, unfortunately, will go back and put the package back on our shelf and never experience the gift. Yeah, it's kind of fun to look at and to kind of check out and to read all about, but have you experienced it this morning? As uh, I'm going to invite Chris, he's going to come and share with us a song. As Chris shares this song that is a deep, reflective song, I want you to ask yourself the question, have I opened the gift of total forgiveness? Today is the day. A Savior is here. Will you allow him to forgive you and set you free? You think about that. Pray about that. So we listen.